Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. On today's episode, I am joined by Chad Mendez, former UFC superstar, owner of Fins and Feathers, and co-author of the Provider Cookbook. Chad and I talk about his journey with guiding and teaching new hunters, what it means to be a provider, the new cookbook, whitetail hunting, bare knuckle boxing, and a story of a brutal elk hunt with his wife and father. This episode is brought to you by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app. It turns your phone into a working GPS. This time of year, I am scouring the maps on the desktop version of the app to look for areas to scout and hunt for mountain bucks, as well as potential hunting locations for my annual western hunt, which is just coming up here in just over a week. The new 3D feature makes it convenient to look for glassing locations and ways of travel. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com, use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered is a company founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative lightweight and safe products for saddle hunting i'm using the phantom saddle system with the predator platform for all of my mobile hunts to learn more about tethered and saddle hunting head over to tetherednation.com maven is building the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct to consumer business model they want to create the best optics for the job period and i am using their B3 8x30 binos for all of my eastern hunting, whitetails, turkeys, scouting. I've done a YouTube video on these uh, not too long ago, and I just really love this piece of glass. Super lightweight and compact. You don't even know it's on your chest, but just as high quality as some of their bigger optics. If you want to check out Maven Optics for yourself, head over to mavenbelt.com and use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. Hunters require an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and the best hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing the hunts. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, which includes real GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic and state research. You can use the code East Meets West to save 25% off of the outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. On this week's Mountain Buck Story of the Week, we have a story from Corey Winch. And Corey wrote, I love the information you're put it, pushing with the mountain buck hunting. I live in the southern Adirondacks of upstate New York. I just wanted to share a mountain buck story with you that kind of lit a fire for chasing mountain bucks for me. In August of 2019, I was in a serious car accident that left me with a serious leg injury just before the start of the New Jersey hunting season. I was staying down there at the time following the crash with an ex-girlfriend. On October 29th of 2019, I decided to make my first real hike into the mountains of New Jersey since the accident in August. I was still healing and a little limp, but the conditions were too good to not try my luck and be in the woods. And for peace of mind at the time, I wanted to be in the woods. 
Long story short, I hiked with a buddy of mine about a mile and a quarter up a power line right in of the way into a four to 5,000 acre tract of fairly steep hardwood mountains in northern Jersey. The spot that we hiked into was off the peak of one of the mountains on a north slope. It was kind of warm that day with a light drizzle, but in my experience, those days of light rain and the pre-rut are fire days to be out there. As we approached the mountainside we intended to hunt, we ran into two separate rub lines that intersected at the power line right away. One rub line went to the south, the other went to the west. My buddy and I decided to each hunt one of the rub lines. I chose to head towards the west, which evidently led me approximately 20, 200 yards from where I suspected a buck would be bedding. And this was all speculation at the time until it wasn't. I followed the rub line I mentioned for approximately 400 yards until I reached the last rub I could see, which was the 12th really fresh rub I came across on this line. I set up my lone wolf in the tree with the best cover, which was a beach. I was looking to the south, up the mountain, towards where I suspected the buck to be bedded and coming from, with a semi-cross wind to me. With about 30 minutes of legal light left, I caught movement coming down the mountain almost exactly from where I'd hoped to see a deer. As the deer came closer, I realized it was the caliber of buck I was looking for. The buck walked to 15 yards, gave me a tough quartering two shot, and I sealed the deal right there. He ran 40 yards and tipped over. Not a giant, but my most memorable buck to date. A 130-inch New Jersey Mountain 9-pointer, a respectable buck for the area. From listening to guys like you, I was able to scout my way along fresh sign into a high percentage area using terrain and virtual scouting as well. Well, that's an awesome story, Corey. And uh, it's just, I love the detail in this story to be, I think, you know, people will be able to learn a lot from it and, you know, taking the time to learn from other people and then applying that knowledge in the field and becoming successful in it after overcoming uh, you know, a serious injury. I think that's an awesome story. If anybody wants to check out the photo of this mountain buck, head over to my Instagram, East Meets West Hunt, or Facebook, East Meets West Outdoors, and you can check that out. All right. So, I over the weekend at the Bucks and Bows Archery um, Tethered Teach and Train Tour event with uh, John Eberhart and the whole Bucks and Bows crew. It's such a fun event. I it was really nice to get to see everybody again. I used to work at that bow shop three years ago, and uh, I guess it was a little over three years ago now, but I spent three years working there part-time. That's kind of where I got my start, so I was excited to get down there and hang out with those guys and get to talk to so many people. I mean, in the four-hour event, it was just constantly crowded. Uh, I had a booth set up selling some apparel, and it was flowing I was talking to people the entire time. I never even sat down to eat my lunch. So it was it was really great to talk to everybody and love having these events. So I need to, before we get into this episode, Chad, I need to apologize first and foremost because I screwed up. So the first time in 196 episodes that I did this, I didn't check my memory card prior to recording the episode. And just so happened that I was I was out of memory partway through it. So luckily I caught it and probably only missed 15 minutes of the conversation. And Chad was on a little bit of a time crunch, so couldn't re-record that section. 
Um, we were talking about hunting in California and a bunch of opportunities that are there. Really good information. I'm upset that we weren't able to get that, but we were able to get the rest of the recording and be able to to put it all together. So I hope that everyone still um, enjoys the episode. I think it. I think there's a lot of really good stuff in here. I was just upset that we didn't get to cover that part and a little bit about how hunting and fighting relate to each other from a physical and health standpoint. But anyways, it was a pleasure to get to to get to interview Chad and get to talk to him here. So thanks everybody for listening. I really appreciate it and take care. Have a good rest of your week. All right, we're live. Chad Mendez, welcome to the show, man. What's up guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it, uh, it's it's a pleasure to to be able to have you on. It's um it's funny you're well I had uh, when I was talking about having you on a little while ago, and then I saw that you're coming out with a a new book um, cookbook with with your buddy Chad Belding, the provider. But anyways, that just gave me a reason to uh, finally go through and get to talk to you here. So I know we have some some mutual friends and the people over at Mountain Ops and Rihanna. And every, yeah, you do got the shirt on at the moment, but, um, yeah. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, um, excited to talk about this stuff. We launched that cookbook. Um, well, it's the pre-sales just recently and, uh, those things will be, uh, done and going out in November. I think it's November 10th if I'm, if I'm uh, correct, but so pre-orders now, and then we're basically, what we're doing is any pre-order now through October 1st enters people in and then they we're going to give away two tickets to my upcoming fight in October, October 22nd. So uh, four seats, come watch me uh, kick someone's butt and then they're coming to my after party after. So uh, oh, a good time for sure. Well, yeah. cool. well, before we get into the the cookbook and everything else, I, I kind of want to, in, in case anyone hasn't heard of you, if you want to kind of give a little background of yourself and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, so obviously Chad Mendez is my full name. Um, I started wrestling when I was five years old. I wrestled every year all the way up through college. I got recruited to wrestle at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Um, wrestled there was a NCAA runner up my senior year, two-time All-American, um, uh, multiple time Pac-10 champ. Um, and then basically graduated and that very next day moved up to Sacramento and jumped right into pro fighting with Uriah Faber. Um, and I trained for about three months and had my first pro fight. Absolutely loved it. Uh, got the win in the first round and basically just kept moving forward. I, I fought, I think, five times in the smaller shows before signing with Zufa, who owned the UFC and the WEC. And, uh, man, the rest is history. We're here now. And um, obviously, hunting and fishing has always been such a huge part of my life. Um, my dad and my brothers, we all did it growing up. Um, that's kind of how I was introduced to it um, and just always loved it. Grew up hunting black-tailed deer here in, in California um, D7 up above like Fresno area, our whole lives. And, um, basically just after college, you know, with college, I didn't have a ton of time with wrestling and everything. Um, once I graduated and started fighting, um, definitely started getting back into my roots and doing a lot more hunting and fishing up here in Sacramento. Um, and then actually started doing more out of state hunts, which I had never done growing up. Um, which led me basically to start fins and feathers, which is 
uh, we call it a, like a celebrity outdoor service where we basically put on different hunts and fishing trips all over the world. And we put different UFC fighters, pro ball players, actors, pro snowboarders um, on the trips with clients. So they get to go hunt. And I basically, some of them I'm guiding, some of them I'm there hunting with you and just hanging out in camp. So, and same thing with the other guys. So um, man, I've just, we took something from my ultimate passion of hunting and fishing, you know, obviously growing my brand in the, in the MMA world, um, and then kind of just flopping the two and, and expanding that into the fins and feathers world. So, um, I launched that at the end of 2015 and, man, we've been having such a good time with it ever since. It's so fun for me to be able to go out there and hunt with people who love the outdoors and we share so many different, uh, things in common. And, um, yeah, man, it's been a good time for sure. So that's basically what I've been doing, uh, for the last, probably, you know, we launched it in 15. So, uh, that's, that's been most of it. Yeah. And what's, what's funny is, well, first of all, I I think it's pretty cool to see like how you kind of had that exit strategy planned, you know, as you were going through, you know, fighting MMA, realizing like, okay, I can't, can't do this forever and had the love for hunting and were able to turn that into, to a business and be able to, yeah, have something after you, you retired, but which, um, I'll ask you about in a minute, which you kind of, kind of didn't, but did right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but before I go there, I wanted to, um, say, what is it with, it seems like a lot of fighters are hunters. Is that, is that accurate or is there just, maybe I'm just exposed to, to, um, I think there is a good amount. I, I wouldn't say all of them. Like I, I think on my team here in team alpha male, there's maybe three of us that hunt me, um, Tyler Diamond and I think Darren Elkins, you know, he's an Indiana boy. So I think he grew up hunting whitetail, but yeah, doesn't really do it much. Um, but me and Tyler Diamond are probably the the biggest hunters on our team. Um, but yeah, man, I think I think it's a good mix though. If you go into the UFC, there's definitely a handful of guys on the roster and girls even um that love the outdoors and grew up hunting and fishing. So, and if not, I think what's super cool about our industry and, and you got guys like, you know, Cameron Haynes and Joe Rogan and, you know, these guys that are kind of, obviously we have the huge platforms, but are starting to open people's eyes, like of the importance of being a provider and learning how to go out there and harvest your own meat and have that to live off of. And knowing that it's like the best meat on earth, you know, you got all the health benefits of, you know, free range, organic, you know, tastes good. And you can go out there and have a good time, getting out there and getting it. So, uh, you know, it's nice being able to go in the middle, you know, and fight camp, basically go out there in your freezer and go, what do I want today? I want some venison. You know, I want deer. I want elk. I want some wild turkey, whatever it is. And take it in the house and cook it up for dinner for you and your family. So, um, you know, I, I think that says a lot. And I think a lot of people are starting to open their eyes to it and the benefits to it. And I know a lot of people that are basically getting into it for the first time over the last year or two. So, yeah. You know, it's pretty cool to see. It's it's it is cool. I mean, when I was I was hunting in Idaho a couple of years ago, and I'm from Pennsylvania, and so going out west is something just an annual trip that I love to do. And the you know the title of this podcast, East Meets West, was to help people kind of plan those Western style hunts or adventure style mm-hmm. hunts. And when I was out there, I went to the, the butcher shop. I'd shot an elk, and I was taking it there, and they had actually said that. TJ Dillashaw just dropped off an elk right oh, before cool. I had at the same butcher shop when I, nice. when I was out there and I thought that was, uh, that was pretty funny. Um, from that's cool. Yeah. That's a trip him and his dad and his brothers do. 
Really? They, okay. Yeah, they usually do pretty well out there. It's cool. All public land too. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it was it was pretty funny. This little tiny butcher shop that was there, and um, but what what I was gonna say too with that was I met a guy from California actually that was at there too, and he'd shot an elk, and he had just gotten into hunting from listening to Joe Rogan. And him and I got to chatting for quite a while and, and, uh, now he's a listener to the podcast and everything. And, and, uh, it was just, it's cool to see the, the amount of people that are getting into it that haven't before and understanding the importance of, even if they're not getting into it, just understanding it a little bit more where, you know, people like Cam and Joe are able to put that out there for people to be able to, to at least understand from. Yeah, I agree, man. I think there's you know, the, the generations coming up, there's so many people and so much negativity basically shined on, on hunting. And it's like, there's mainly because of ignorance, not because, you know, they basically just don't know what it entails and, and the benefits of it. And so it's just a negative thought always, you know, and I think guys like that, that are, like I said, to have those big platforms that are informing people, you got a guy like Steve Ranella who, does a phenomenal job on his show. He's so articulate. He, he explains everything so well. And I think that's basically, I mean, that's really helping the next generation understand what hunting is and why we do it. And I think it's something that's super important, you know, for these generations to come, because I mean, if you got, if you don't have guys like that, or, or if we're not doing our job explaining why it needs to be done or the benefits of it and keeping people connected to those, those roots, it's going to disappear, which, you know, would be awful. I want my daughter, I want my, you know, my kids growing up being able to hunt and have the ability to go out and harvest their own meat, you know? And, um, so hopefully this stuff, it it keeps blossoming and people's eyes keep being open to the benefits of it, whether they want to go out and do it or not, but at least understand, you know, what it entails and why we do it. Um, I mean, last year, I'm guessing COVID had a big, part part of it with people you know there was a beef shortage like people were freaking out there for a little bit but yeah that was our best year to date man we had so many people that came to us like i've never hunted before and i have no idea how to even start but i just got a gun and i want to learn and it's like all right (laughs) so we basically steer them how to get their hunter safety course done they go do that and they come back and then we basically just say, okay, this is what we have to offer. What, what makes sense for you if something's close enough. And then we take them out there and basically teach them from start to finish, like, you know, how to spot things, how to, how to sneak in, how to play the wind, you know, once they harvest the animal, how to properly field dress it and, you know, and, and basically take them there and sh- show them how to cut everything up. And it's something that I take a ton of pride in. I love yeah. that, man. People that have never done it before. Like, I just, I, I almost wish like I could take everybody that has never hunted before on every single one of our trips. Cause it's, you know, they, they listen, they pay attention and they're just like a sponge. They want to learn everything. It's so cool, man. But <laughs> you yeah, know, last year we had a ton of first time hunters. Well, it's funny. Cause like when I'm, I used to work at an archery shop for a while, part-time and, and when I would do lessons to people, I loved new people and women because they listen to everything where guys that had maybe done it before, or they thought they've done it before their ego is getting away a little bit. It's tough to train those. It's so tough, but like new people are like sponges, you know, when they come into it and Mm -hmm. is it, um, I'm sure you have some, 
some pretty cool stories as far as like just the the things that you take for granted growing up hunting, like just knowing and learning yeah. that okay, I gotta I gotta teach you know these people uh-huh. kind of from square one. <laughs> I think the coolest thing for me to see is that excitement, like that people. You know, I think growing up as an athlete and obviously somebody that's hunted, you know what buck fever is. Like we know what being, you know, when you're stepping out there to go wrestle someone in a state championship finals match or, you know, a UFC world title, like you know what that pressure feels like and you know how to push through it mentally and get to the success point of, you know, of the whole situation or having a 200-inch buck standing there in front of you that you just – did a three hour sneak in on and it's game time where these guys, these guys and girls that have never done that or never been an athlete, never been in that situation. They've never felt that before. And you get them set up and it's, you know, a cow elk in front of them or a doe or something. And they're just like shaking all over the place and, you know, having to stop like six or seven times because their breathing's out of control. And they're just like, I can't right now. Hold on. <laughs> trying to coach them through it. Man, that is what I live for. That yeah. is so cool because it's like you kind of, it's one of those things you just kind of take for granted. Like you still, I still get excited and, and wound up a little bit for big events or, or something like that. But man, I haven't felt that type of rush or like that, like excitement over something since I was probably young, you know? And yeah. So it's really cool to see these people and help coach them through that moment and like teach them how to calm down and, and mentally focus on the task at hand. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Man. So, so can anybody reach out to like fins and feathers and book trips? Is that how, how does that exactly work? Yeah. And so we have a website, it's finsandfeathers.com and both fins and feathers is spelled with a Z um, fins and feathers, but basically we take anybody, we, we help people that have never hunted or even fished before. We have a lot of cool fishing trips too. Um, but we, we basically, if they come to us, they shoot us an email off the website, like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I want to get into hunting. I've never done it before. How do I start? And our team will basically kind of coach them through, okay, what state are you in? Basically you got to go to your fishing game website, look up the hunter safety course where they're offered and get them set up with that first and foremost. And we'll basically steer them there, help them get it set up. And then usually, I mean, not always, sometimes we don't hear from them. Just, you know, it's one of those things, but um, a lot of the times they actually go and do it. And it's, you know, one day course, once you do it, you never have to take it again. And then basically they can come back to us and then we try to game plan what trip makes the most sense for them. Yeah. Um, You know, we have stuff all over the United States and um, we have fishing trips, even down into Mexico and stuff. So um, like I said, we just kind of map all that out and then we get them booked and take them out, man. And it's a good time. These people, you know, we haven't had any real crazy people, that have booked <laughs> yet. um, a handful of people that are, you know, introverts and just very quiet and, and, and you can tell they're probably nervous as hell. Yeah. I get it. So, you know, it's fine. We, you know, just try to coach them and help them the best that we can and see if they can get it done and have a good time. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty awesome, and and I'm I'm guessing that there's more than just you that's involved in in doing this and doing the guiding and everything. Yeah, for sure. Like I personally guide clients on our California pig hunts. We have uh, a ranch up in Northern California near Redding um, that I personally will guide people and I take them out. Um, but most of the other stuff, basically, I'm just joining them. We we basically hire the outfitter and work out, you know, our deal with them. 
And then we bring clientele to them, send either one of our other celebrities on it, or I'll go there and hunt with the guys and girls. And, you know, I'll basically kind of coach them and help them during those trips. And, okay. you know, if I see something that needs adjusting, like I'm there kind of helping along the whole process, but um, we'll have all of our guides that actually like take everybody out and stuff too. So um, yeah, it's, it's a good time for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry, Chad, we had a, little issue my memory card filled up there but no worries. Uh, we were just uh just getting ready to kind of talk a little bit about the provider and kind of what you had going on there with uh your buddy chad building yeah so i mean we started the provider i think it was last year we basically have been working on this especially this cookbook for a while man um but basically our thought with the provider life brand is basically just bringing people's awareness back to their roots like we want to be able to teach people how to go out harvest from their garden that they grew or go out and harvest an animal and be able to live off that meat, that wild organic free range meat for the year or for however long it's going to last. And that's something that we don't want to get away from. We were, like we were talking about earlier, we just want to show the next generation and keep that going along the line. So um, yeah, we, we basically took a bunch of different wild game recipes that, um, both him and I have, have either fine tuned ourselves through hunting camps or learned from other people in hunting camps and, and tweak things and kind of made it our own. We've also taken a bunch of our own, our, our buddies recipes from the outdoor industry, some of their wild favorite wild game recipes and put it in there, um, which is very cool. I mean, I actually learned some really good ones. Um, Rihanna actually had a couple really, really good recipes that I've made quite a few times now, which I'd never done. One of them was like a Thai, uh, uh, like a Thai basil elk. Yeah. Oh, it was phenomenal. So now we got some really cool recipes from, from some of our friends in there as well. But yeah, we just put together this cookbook. Um, we teamed up with Ben Bella, um, did a national publishing deal with them, which I had no idea it was this much work. And <laughs> it like no joke, we it's been probably over a year back and forth of just doing all this stuff. We, me and Belding, um, went out to his place and uh, bounced around to a couple places in Nevada, and we we went there for like eight or nine days, and it was just cooking and photos and cleaning for like nine days straight of just for all the photography for the cookbook. Yeah, and I'm sure most people probably do it over their lifetime, you know, just like <laughs> I'm sure, you know, but we just photo dumped it, which was, it was cool. It was a lot of work, but I think we got some really good stuff and we ate really good for like a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say, um, yeah, you got to eat yeah. all that food. <laughs> oh dude, we grubbed. It was, I definitely gained some weight after, after that nine or 10 days we were there. But, um, but yeah, man, it's for us, it's, it's something that means so much to us being able to teach these like people that living off the land and being a provider and what this means is, is kind of the whole goal with this brand. And, um, you know, we also launched a line of rubs that go with it that are geared towards wild game, but obviously great on anything. I use them on, on beef and pork and chicken, anything else, but, um, there's not a lot of straight wild game, uh, geared rubs. So we wanted to add that in as well. So, uh, me and him basically teamed up on that and, and got all those going as well. So it, it's been a fun venture for sure. Um, a ton of work, but I think really worth it. I mean, hearing people talk about the rubs so far, everyone's been loving them, which is, is really cool. We locked up some big uh, retail deals lately and um, it, it's, it's just pretty cool to be a part of it. So 
Oh, that's that's awesome, and it's it is funny because um, the the one of the parts that uh, we missed the recording, you were talking a little bit about how you uh, had got how you got into love of cooking, and I oh. I almost was thinking of like the opposite because you know when I was thinking of you being a wrestler and and you know growing up with all of my buddies being big into wrestling and like watching them starve themselves and do all this stuff through. I'm like, so how would that make you good at cooking? Cause you wouldn't have that, but you're like, oh, I just watched the food channel and oh, dude, I <laughs> watch. Yeah. I'll let your listeners know. So basically what I was saying is, you know, I, I, I think my love for food, I've always had like a very deep passion for it. And I think it comes from years and years of cutting weight. Like I started cutting weight my sophomore year in high school was the first year that I ever cut weight. So sophomore year in high school till now. And basically, you know, it's, there's a lot of starving yourself. I mean, obviously you're dieting and following a nutrition plan, but bottom line, when it comes down to the end of making weight, you're not eating much. So like for a fight, I'd sit there like the day before weigh-ins and I'd just be in my hotel room watching the food channel, taking notes, like, Oh, I'm making this after my fight. I'm definitely doing this. So, um, you know, and just kind of, learning that way but also my dad was always the one in the kitchen he had a huge passion for cooking and I think that just kind of trickled down to me and my brother so you know it was definitely something we learned a lot from him and uh, I've just taken it into this this brand and hopefully we keep moving forward with it yeah and so do you so the the brand obviously it's going to be you know the, the rubs and the cookbook are you do you have any plans for anything else or is that something that you can't yeah, we're share? working on a show too which um is going to be somewhat similar to like Rennell's, like the meat eater show where we're basically, it'll be us on different hunts. Um, you know, basically the same thing. We're, we're just spreading the knowledge of the hunt, um, teaching people along the way, pointing out, you know, different things that maybe someone didn't know usually happens in the field or whatever it may be showing the hunt. And then we're going to take that, that game that we harvest and then get into a kitchen somewhere or somewhere where we can prepare the food and make really cool recipes and just show the camaraderie of, you know, friends and family enjoying um, a meal that we just went out and got in the field and, and created ourselves. So I think it basically shows the filled the fork aspect of the provider and what that life, that mentality is. Um, and I think that's going to translate well to people, but yeah, that's definitely something we're working on now. So hopefully that that's, I'm thinking Belding's kind of the one on like spearheading that. So I think that's going to be this year, but um, it might be next. Oh, nice. So you, you'll be filming for that this fall then starting yeah, during yep. that process. And, yep. Well, and well how are you going to do that with your fight? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, <laughs> most of my hunting is on hold now. So I was supposed to do a doll sheep hunt right now. I, I would be in Alaska, but um, that's got postponed till next year, which is fine. Um, and then I'm basically going to Wyoming at the end of the month for like a three day hunt. So I'm basically just using my days off from training and normally I stagger them throughout the week and I'm just going to bunch them right there. I'm going to go out and do an archery antelope hunt, Wyoming, come back. Um, and then I have one more hunt, um, at the end of uh, September, um, Catalina Island, which this is another cool California hunt that I should have mentioned earlier. This is one of our fins and feather trips, but Catalina Island has mule deer on it. Um, they used to have wild boar and goats and they have a ton of bison, which you can't hunt the bison, but there's deer all over. And you can, we've teamed up with the only outfitter on the island. So you basically ferry out there and then we can hunt uh, mule deer on the island, which really? is super cool. Yeah. You're, you know, up on a huge bluff, like I was talking about earlier and you just have ocean all around you. Um, it's, it's pretty cool, but 
Um, I'm going to go try to do that. It's another two day hunt, real quick hunt. Um, and then come back up and hit training again. But outside of that, all my other, my September elk is gone. Um, yeah, it's all good. And then my, my October, beginning of October mule deer hunt in, in Utah is, is gone. That's our fins and feathers one. I'm putting someone else on it, but I'm picking it right back up after the fight though. Me and TJ Dillashaw are headed out to Colorado and we're going to go do a mule deer elk combo out there. Okay. See if we, see if we can put some meat in the freezer. So fingers crossed. Nice. Do you ever, do you ever do any whitetail hunting? Mm-hmm. I love whitetail hunting. I, um, I have a good buddy, Zach Singler, um, in Ohio that is a huge farm real estate dude. I mean, he's been crushing it, but he buys a lot of properties and then turns them into a hunting farm, usually hunts them for a few years and then flips them and does another one. And so I usually go out there and just do, do some hunting with him every year. And I've killed some really good bucks out there with him. So oh, nice. Um, and, uh, it's this nice little, uh, it's a little break from hiking up and down through the mountains yeah. and everything, you know, it's, uh-huh. a, it's a different mental game to be able to sit somewhere for a long period of time, but it's, it's a nice, I know I, I enjoy it when I come back from, you know, when where, where I live in Pennsylvania, it's in the Appalachian mountains. So there's still, there's still a lot of, um, uh, walking and effort to get into some of those places. But when I get to sit and in, in the, in the stand for the day or in the saddle, it's like, man, it's, it's pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't mind. I, I love all hunting man. it's like, you'll get guys that are like, I don't ever want to sit in a tree stand or, you know, I, I'll do, I'll do anything. I love it all, man. I'll sit in a tree stand. If that's the best bet, I'll hike 50 miles. If I have to, if that's the best bet, but yeah, it's, um, I'll do anything, whatever is going to be the most successful situation, like put me in coach. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me, you were, you were, I think you were about to tell a story about a, a whitetail out there in Ohio when I had uh, cut you off a little bit there. Yeah, no, it's just, I was going to say Zach, like I, we've, I think we've hunted together out there. I want to say it was like eight seasons in a row, or maybe I took, I had a fight one season. I wasn't able to make it out there in, the, in that mix, but, um, yeah, we've, I think last year was the first year ever I didn't kill one and, uh, had a great opportunity on our number one buck for me to kill. And he came in under my stand and I, I heard some, some noise. I looked down below me and he's standing basically behind me, almost touching my tree. And he's just like looking around and there's like no way to shoot him. It was like through my stand. Yeah. And, uh, I just, for whatever reason, he just looked around and then just turned and walked the other direction. And that was the only time I saw that guy. I think I sat, I don't know, I was there for like a week, five days or a week. And that was it, man. So had a bunch of small young bucks, but you know, we just, he's really strong on great management, which I think is awesome. And uh, hopefully get back out there this year and see if we can get one. Yeah, that'll be nice. Ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully you're in full health and body's good after the the fight when you I get know. to do that. My concern is these things, man. Yeah. So tell tell a little Breaking bit. Up. We've been kind of yeah. teasing it a little bit, but tell about the style of fighting that you're kind of getting into now. Yeah. So I just signed a really big deal with bare knuckle boxing. So it's not MMA. It's just straight boxing, but it's bare knuckle. So we don't have an MMA glove on. It's just. You know, you can wrap your wrist and protect your wrist from, you know, bending, but basically the wrap comes up to the top of your hand. And so your knuckles are showing. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's definitely a different sport. I've never done just straight boxing outside of just what I do in my gym where I'm sparring and training that way. But 
Um, this will definitely be the first straight boxing competition I've ever done. Um, and I'm excited for it, man. It's something new. It's, uh, it's awesome basically being able to focus on one discipline instead of MMA where you're fighting to get, you know, three workouts in a day because you have to cover wrestling, jujitsu, strength and conditioning, boxing, kickboxing, you know, there's so many different aspects that you have to train because this day and age, everybody's good at everything. Like it's not like the old days where you could just be a good wrestler and go in there and dominate everyone or just be a good striker and go in there and dominate everyone. Like everybody's good at everything now. So you have to be good at everything or better than every, everybody at everything. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's been really nice being able to focus on just boxing and doing strength and conditioning too. But, um, you know, it, it's been nice. So I'm excited to get back in there. It's October 22nd, Chandler, Arizona and bare knuckle. We're going to let them rip. Yeah. <laughs> where can, <laughs> so where, where can, uh, people watch that at? Is that like a pay-per-view well, event or what is it? Yeah, it'll be pay-per-view, but the way that the bare knuckle does is they have an app kind of like the UFC where you have to download the app. And I want to say it's three ninety nine a month. Um, and once you subscribe to that, you can basically watch all their pay-per-views that they, uh, provide. So, um, obviously once I hear more about ticket sales and well, you know, anything about the pay-per-view, I'll start posting because people have been hitting me up. Like when can I buy tickets or where can I buy tickets? And we don't have any of that information yet. This, they basically plan event to event yeah. right now. So it's not like the UFC where they have a big enough team where they can plan like five events in a row and just kind of get info out. It's, you know, they're, they're doing event to event. So, um, I'm sure my time's coming up soon for, for our stuff to get going. Well, so. I, I think I, I think I heard you say on Rogan's podcast earlier this week that you don't have an opponent yet, right? Like they're still mm-hmm. looking for an opponent. Yep. Still don't. We, we just actually reached back out a couple of days ago and they said, still, still on the hunt. So, um, hope I'm hoping within the next week we can find some, a, a name, I'd like to start game planning and start putting together some video and watching and you yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, that, that that's, it's going to be a, a definitely a different world for you, but what, so yeah. why, why is it, why after all that time, you know, in MMA and anything, do you decide to get and with all these businesses that you have going on, decide to get back into fighting? Well, I mean, I'm 30, I just turned 36. I, when I left the UFC, it was never because I didn't think I didn't belong anymore. Like I, I lost to the current champ and dropped him in the fight and definitely feel like I could beat that guy with a better game plan. But at the time it's like my contract in the UFC was when I signed it like five years ago, it was a pretty good deal. Now it's I'm, I'm, I signed eight fight contract like an idiot and it's a horrible deal now. Yeah. <laughs> I can make more money going and doing all the other stuff, you know? Yeah. And when I retired, the bare knuckle wasn't even an option. This, this wasn't even an option. You know, I don't even think they were a thing yet. Or if they were, it was still like, nobody heard of it. Nobody even knew. And so, you know, I didn't really have a ton of other options. It's like, I still have three or four fights on my UFC contract. So I either just suck it up and keep fighting for shitty pay or I'm done. And I go out and start these businesses and, make money without getting punched. So I was like, I'm, I'm down to do that. Like, and so I did it. Well, you know, obviously I'm staying in shape. I'm still training. I still have the desire if it makes sense. It just, it didn't make sense for me for what I was getting paid. And so this huge opportunity came up. I mean, I signed this 
three fight contract and it's bigger than any contract I got in the UFC ever my whole career. And it's like, this is like, if I was getting this in the UFC, I'd still be fighting, you know, it's just, I'm getting over three times what I would be getting in the UFC per fight, you know? And so this opportunity came up, I'm still in my prime and it's a new sport that I've always wanted to try. Like wrestling and boxing when I was training for any of my UFC fights are my two favorite things to train getting there in boxing sparring and hitting mitts boxing style, like was probably my favorite thing. And so it's always been something I've wanted to try. And then this huge opportunity comes and it's like, I I don't know, maybe this is just a sign. Let's do this. You know? And the the great thing is, is I don't have to fight three times. It's I have the opportunity to fight three times. If I get in there and fight once and I'm like, screw this, this is way too crazy. Or I hated it. Like I'm good to go, you know, but yeah. If I love it, I still have three fights on my contract. I can go out there and make a ton of money and, you know, have fun and hopefully not get too damaged and get the hell out. Yeah. (laughs) And still, still fuel that desire to, to compete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, it's, it's funny because it, in, um, you know, you said you're only 30, 36, you said. Yeah. Just in May, I just Okay. So yeah, you're still, still in your prime and able to, able to do it. That's pretty awesome that you're coming back and doing the the bare knuckle thing. That'll be, that'll be fun to watch for sure. Yeah. It's going to be a good time, man. It's going to be crazy, I think, but it'll be good. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully your next, your next fight after this first one will be in, you know, the off season so you can get, I know, right. (laughs) That's the plan. So this, (laughs) I mean, we've been working on this contract for a long time. And just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so ideally, I want if I could get something locked up, I was hoping it was going to be like April or May or June even. And it just kept getting pushed back. And then when we finally got it done, it's October. And that's like the best we could do. So I think this year is going to be a wash with it. I'm not going to be able to get out of that and change it. But for next year, I'd like to try to fight like May or June and basically get that fight out of the way and then get out for fall and, and have a good season and then come back in. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, but the, the priority, you gotta, you gotta keep your hands somewhat in condition mm-hmm. so you can draw your bow back and or oh, gun yeah. or whatever it is at the time. Yeah. Praying <laughs> for it. <laughs> does it, does, I, I mean, I don't know cause I, I'm not in this, but what do the gloves add that much protection? Do you think it's, they don't. And that's, that's what I've been telling everyone in this, the last interviews. It's like, people look at the bare knuckle. When I say I'm doing bare knuckle boxing, like, Oh my God, that's so brutal. What the hell's wrong with you? And it's like, I just fought in the UFC for the last 10 years. I fought in MMA, like people throwing shins, like a baseball bat across the, my face and yeah. knees you know, to my chin and to my bodies and breaking ribs and, you know, and getting in submissions where people are like ripping my tendons. Like, I think that's way more brutal than bare knuckle boxing. Like the concussion's not going to be any different. Like, MMA glove, you have like, I don't know, a half an inch, a quarter inch of padding. Like, yeah, it's just leather, you know, it's not much. So the concussion to the head is going to be the same. The, the only difference is you have sharp objects. So I think cuts happen a lot more, but yeah, I mean, people just associate blood with just brutality, you know? And I, I honestly think MMA is way more dangerous, you know, but yeah, 
That that was my argument to the wife, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, well, well, obviously she bought it because you're doing it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did what I wanted to kind of wrap this up here with. I I was reading through um what, what again what I liked about the cookbook I was going through is the stories that are that go mm-hmm. throughout it and there was a story that I read in in there that was like that jumped out at me and it had to do with a backcountry elk hunt which you had your wife on and right. your dad yeah, uh-huh. so I want I want to hear a little bit about that story I mean that's still one of my all time favorite hunts we um we we hired a company basically pack all our stuff in on horses and set up wall they set up wall tents and cots and like it was the first time my wife had ever done anything like that and i think my dad too that was the first time he'd ever done a backcountry hunt and so we we go back in there it's up in oregon um and it was just so much fun there was it's all public land obviously so you know you, you running into people here and there which it's just all part of it but we saw a good amount of elk like we had multiple opportunities my dad had a lot of opportunities um and i was there with my wife when I ended up killing that bull. And what was so special about that was that year, me and her had a goal. I needed to harvest two elk and I drew a a moose tag, the one that I was talking about on Rogan's podcast, and I needed to get a moose. So I had already gone and and gotten the moose and I had killed a public land bull in Utah. And so this basically was coming down to the wire. Like, this was my last elk hunt of the, of the year. And the reason was for our wedding. We wanted to feed our entire wedding with the backstraps from, you know, all three animals, um, along with a bunch of the ground and doing all kinds of other stuff. Um, and so that was like our goal. Like we, we want to get out there and bust our butts. If we can get this done, this is going to be so cool. Well, it came down to the wire, you know, and, uh, I think it was maybe the second to last day. I can't remember where we we're sneaking down in this huge canyon and my wife's filming me for my youtube channel and she she has the shooting sticks because i'm like i'm gonna peek up over there was like a hill right in front of us like 40 yards or 50 yards i'm gonna climb up to the top and i'm gonna peek over because there's a good chance he could be feeding right outside of that and so she holds the shooting sticks and i'm walking up well she ends up kneeling down and the shooting sticks just (laughs) just fell over and i look back and she's like just like, oh no. Okay, it's okay. So I like give it like a few seconds and just kind of if something was over there, I'm sure it's probably looking. So I'm gonna not rush up there. I'm gonna give it some time to kind of calm down. And so I don't know, maybe five, 10 minutes goes by, and then I sneak up to the top, and sure enough, I peek over and I just see antler tips staring directly to where we were. Yeah. And it was the bull. And he's standing there just looking. And I, I didn't get high enough. Good thing. I just saw the, the ivory tips and I like kneeled down and I was like, I like look back at my wife he's right there. Yeah. And so I sneak up a little higher to where when I stand up, I'd be able to see body cavity, but basically I just peeked up and watched his antler tips and me. And like, I could see him watching us for like 10 minutes. And then finally, as he started to turn to walk away is when I stood up and just made a perfect shot, dropped him. And it was just a super emotional time. Like it was me and my wife right before dark in the back country of Oregon, 
you know, there's wolves, there's bears, there's mountain lions. Yeah. And then she's got to help me break this whole bowl down in the middle of the night. We got headlamps and flashlights. She'd never done anything like this. And she's helping me process and get this thing all broke up. And um, we ended up just putting a bunch of the hindquarters up high on a huge fallen tree that was dead right there and packed all the good stuff out, the, the tenderloins and the back shafts. And then we, we had satellite phone the pack company next morning. They came in with horses and helped us go down there and get everything. And uh, it was just super cool. We're packing out in the middle of the night and she's like terrified, you know, it's pitch black coming out of this huge Canyon. We got raw meat on our backs and, you know, it was just, it was pretty cool. It was a very unique experience. We get back at like, I don't even know what time it was, maybe one in the morning. And my dad's back at camp and, you know, he, he ends up getting up and making us dinner because we hadn't eaten yet. Yeah, It was just a really, really cool trip. My dad didn't end up getting one. He had a handful of opportunities and just couldn't get it done. But I think all in all, it was just still such a fun trip having him there and having my wife there and being all a part of it all. And then also being able to provide our wedding party with all kinds of awesome organic free range meat that everybody loved too. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that that's, that's so cool. And so the question is, did your wife go on any other hunts with you after that? Yeah, she's, she's done some after that. She actually, I think after that, she ended up doing her own wild boar hunt on that ranch that we guide. Um, And she killed a, a nice wild boar, um, the YouTube, that's what we watched on Rogan's. Um, I had a, we had a mountain lion coming in behind us as we were stalking in on her pig. And I turned around and I filmed it. You can see it on the video, like 50 yards behind us and ends up walking off and going up the hill. But, um, yeah, man, if anybody, I, I basically film and vlog all my hunts. If anyone's ever interested and they want to check yeah. any of those out, they can go on my YouTube channel and a bunch of those are on there. So I do a lot of the editing myself and it's fun, man. I enjoy the, my point of view, just showing people what the hunt looks like from, from what I'm seeing. And then, uh, it's fun editing and, and putting those all together too. It's pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, Chad, I'm, I'm, uh, don't want to take up any more of your time here. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you coming on just, uh, one more time, yeah. give everybody a rundown where they can find, you know, the provider and some of your other stuff. Yeah. So the provider we have, like I said, the pre-sale going, um, the providerlife.com. You guys can get on there and, and order the pre-sale. It's on Amazon as well. Um, I think if you just go to our website, we have a link that sets you to the Amazon one just to make it easy. Um, uh, for my personal stuff, just Chad Mendez. It's M-E-N-D-E-S. Um, I have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we also started the beef company. If anyone's interested in almond fed beef, great flavor, awesome tenderness. Uh, that's, that's my company too, AmericanAlmondBeef.com. Um, and then also FinsAndFeathers.com. If anyone wants to come learn some hunting tip, uh, techniques or tips or just come and hang out, if you guys want to do it. So you can find us there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chad. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.